For this episode, more than any of the other previous ones, I want to kick off with my usual disclaimer. Although I am into all things investing, what I am not is a financial advisor. And what I discuss in this episode, or any other episode for that matter, is not financial advice. I do not make stock picks or recommendations or crypto recommendations or any other recommendations. This podcast is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. For financial advice, please speak to a financial advisor. And with that out of the way, let's get cracking. Welcome to episode six of the Wealth Journal podcast. If this is the first time you've tuned into the Wealth Journal, my name is Jay Hardy and I am sharing my weekly progress towards wealth. And I say that with inverted commas. Now, I would not consider myself as wealthy, but hopefully I'm on the journey towards wealth. And it's something that I've been studying for for a number of years and have also started to put into practice. And I feel like I've been growing my wealth as I've started to, to do that. So essentially, it's my goal to share my weekly notes and learnings, which I document in my wealth journal, in the hope that you, the listener, can learn with me and share the journey. Now, I've, I've often found that on a lot of podcasts I listen to, it's with incredibly successful people and you're learning tips and tri- tricks from from them that have been there and done it, which, which is great. And I I fully intend to get people on the podcast to do that. But also, I'm just a, I'm a regular guy with a passion for, for finance and, and education. So hopefully if through this podcast, you can actually join the journey with me. And who knows, we might all become wealthy together. Fingers crossed. Now, the first point I have in my wealth journal this week, and ultimately, this is probably going to form the main course of the episode, to be honest, but it's my investment portfolio my personal investment portfolio, hence for the hefty disclaimer at the start of the episode because I just wanted to get that out there, especially when I'm discussing my own investment portfolio. Um, this is my my personal investments. I'm not recommending you to, to invest in these, um, you know, whatever I talk about today. So let's just make that clear. But yeah, I want to discuss my, my personal investment portfolio. And the aim of this is that I want the Wealth Journal to be, to be open and honest from the start and a way for me to share as much as I can to, to help the listeners. So for this episode, I want to give you a snapshot view into my own portfolio. And I'll also try and give you an insight into how my portfolio and investment approach has developed over the years. Now, I will add that I don't consider myself a professional by any stretch of the imagination, But I've certainly started to build up a much greater standing of how to invest, where to invest, what potentially is a good or bad investment in my opinion. And I've also started to get a little bit more tuned in into the investment world. And as a result, I've become more confident in exploring opportunities outside of just stocks. You know, when we've talked about building the asset column, obviously stocks is one of the easiest ways to start doing that. But there's many other ways you can build your asset column and Initially, for me, I started with stocks, but I've, I've, I've also started to explore other areas. And I think that's been a, as a result of me, I guess, one, developing my investing mindset, my long-term approach, but also my appetite towards risk. The fact that I'm, I, I no longer see investments as 
Although, yes, they are risky and risk is involved. Your capital's at risk, but I'm a bit more comfortable when it comes to risk. I don't sort of put money in now and panic and just think I need it, I need it back straight away when it, when it goes down in value. And I guess point two is that through developing my own financial intelligence, I've been able to become a bit more confident. And through building up your financial intelligence, I think you, I think your mind starts to work in your favour, and you start you start to naturally spot investment opportunities because you're just more tuned in to the environment when it comes to an investing standpoint. Because I think once you start investing, you pay a little bit more attention to to the news, to companies your own. You know, you hear them pop up on the news. You start to get a feel for the markets a little bit more. You you start to understand when they're up, they're down, maybe the reasons for that. And you begin to spot opportunities. Maybe you spot a trend. Maybe you can see sort of a potential future uh, winner in a certain space when it comes to, to companies. And an obvious one would be when, when the market maybe takes a bit of a downturn or, or a crash. And you start to then view that not not necessarily something that you should run away from, but potentially an opportunity. So I think um, through developing your financial intelligence and and things like that, you can actually start to to become a little bit more, let's say, well-versed and educated around the investment world. And some people say they get get lucky with investments, but actually I think think sometimes these opportunities can pass everyone by. And it's those that are lucky are the ones that can actually recognize really what the true opportunity is, how to act on that look. And hopefully by listening to podcasts like The Wealth Journal, and there's loads of other great sources out there as well, hopefully I can help people take advantage of of when luck arrives because I think it does for for everyone. But when it comes to certain opportunities, I guess probably one of the recent examples, and I've sort of toyed back and forth with how I approach this topic, but back in March 2020 last year, obviously we all know what happened, you know, there was a global pandemic, COVID, COVID hit us all. Um, and from an investment point of view, a lot of my investment holdings you know, reduced in value quite significantly, almost within you know, overnight. But then because I've been tuned into the investment world and I've been you know, learning about you know, stock market sort of cycles and crashes and you know, more often than not, that's actually the best time to buy. And I was able to, at that point keep a relatively calm head and and continue to invest and if anything increase my investments now the reason why this is sort of sat a little bit I guess uncomfortable with me is that you know let's not forget COVID has been a terrible thing for the world there's been a huge amount of suffering I think every every person who listens who's listening to this podcast right now has probably been affected by COVID in some way whether it be through either themselves or friends family etc so but of course, it's also been a an opportunity in some ways for people to to make money. You know, new businesses to pop up, people to to pivot their their business model. Of course, you know, companies like Amazon have done incredibly well. So, yeah, sometimes that uncertainty and turmoil in the markets can actually create a huge amount of opportunity for investors, the ones that can, I guess, almost be quite you know, remove themselves from the emotion of the situation and act quite pragmatic and, um, you know, forward thinking. So in some ways, I actually look forward to a market crash because I know there's going to be potential opportunities now. That's just my mindset. I just hope that it isn't something as bad as COVID that, that causes it in the future. 
so when when the covid pandemic hit back in march and of course it was a quite an uncertain time for everyone you know people were going on furlough there was the risk of you know people losing their jobs which is obviously you know very difficult for a lot of people but also yeah it, it created an opportunity and i think through my uh, developing my financial intelligence over the years I was able to think, right, okay, this is a time where I could potentially start to buy more stocks. I don't know that when the market's going to sort of stop falling. So you've got to almost think, right, well, I could put some money in today and then tomorrow that's going to go down and then maybe the day after it's going to go down as well. So started to average in a little bit more often into the market. And then also once we started to get details of the lockdown and what was going to be happening and how long it was going to go on for, I then just started to think, like, how's how's consumer how are consumers' minds going to shift during this during this point? Most people are going to be forced to stay at home. So what what potential companies are there, you know, are going to benefit from this? And I, at the time, I, I'd, I'd been reading about, I think I'd listened to a podcast about Peloton maybe a few months back. And straight away, I thought that'd be, that'd be quite a good company. If you were stuck at home, you know, you could already still order yourself, you know, an exercise bike, whatever it may be. So that was one of the stocks that I actually picked up during the COVID pandemic. And, you know, certainly during that time, that stock went from from strength to strength. So I think just by yeah getting in tune with things, you can actually start to just spot these opportunities and are able to, to act on them. People would say, oh, you're lucky you bought Peloton during the during the lockdown. But. Yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't luck after all. Um, some other purchases that I made was Carnival Cruises. Now the cruise industry was completely shot. I think during the first few weeks of the pandemic, I think it was called the Diamond Princess Cruise or something. Was 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 almost as a country was like third on the list in terms of the amount of cases it had. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of travel related stocks fell quite sharply due to you know us not being able to fly or whatever it may be so again I, I saw that as a potential opportunity another one was wh smith which is you know obviously we all know here in the uk is a your high street sort of i don't know is it a stationary shop um but they have a lot of a lot of their i guess core business now is based in airports train stations very much travel related and they they'd had quite a strong business for for quite a few number of years the share price consistently uh, gone up and during COVID, COVID obviously it plummeted you know quite quite far down so yeah I um, I bought some shares in WH Smith and since then they've, they've been performing quite well obviously not back up to their all-time highs yet because there's still quite a lot of uncertainty but it was just an example of, of where I've started to to pick up opportunities now when I started out my investment journey Apart from the Abercrombie and Fitch disaster, which I mentioned a few podcasts ago, I pretty much focus on investing in indexes, really. Ones that track the overall stock market. Now, the best way for the average investor to do this is probably through something called an ETF. Now, these are very important because if you started listening to the Wealth Journal and have decided you want to start investing, you've probably opened a brokerage account on some, you know, somewhere like Trading212, eToro, Hargreaves, Lansdowne, some of the ones that I've mentioned. And really, if you're just starting, you're probably going to want to start buying an ETF. So what the... Pardon my French, are ETFs. ETFs stand for Exchange Traded Funds. 
And basically, it's a type of security or fund or investment or whatever that tracks the performance of an index. Let's just use index as an example. But it can pretty much track anything. There are ETFs for certain industries, commodities, foreign exchange, emerging markets. There's high growth um, ETFs. There's high dividend ETFs. There is even now a Bitcoin ETF, which has been a huge uh, contributor to its recent price action, which I know I've briefly talked about and you've probably seen in the news. One of the first of its kind. ETFs are a great way for people to, to start to build very diversified portfolios because they, they generally have quite a lot of stocks involved in them. But from, from I guess from the early investment days, it's also a great way for you to get in exposure to these to, to indexes, basically. So the, the S&P 500 index is really theoretical. You can't actually buy the S&P 500 as like a stock because it's a collection of 505 stocks, if you guys can remember from one of the earlier podcasts, not, not 500. So in theory, if you wanted to track the S&P 500 as an index, or even the FTSE 100 as an index, let's keep it maybe UK-focused, you'd have to buy each of the individual stocks at the same sort of weighting in which they are in the in the index. And that would really be pretty expensive. Now, looking at the S&P, for example, and I'm sorry I talk about the S&P quite a lot, but I, th- I find that that index is maybe a little bit more dynamic than the FTSE 100, not, not financial advice. But some of the big companies in there, like Amazon, the share price is over $3,000. Alphabet or Google... Again, around about 3,000, Tesla, 1,100, Facebook, 300. So 500 different companies to match the same weighting as the index, it costs you a huge amount of, of money and probably time to actually buy all 505 of them. So an ETF is a really good way to get exposure to an index without you having to physically go and buy each individual stock. But the good thing about an ETF is that essentially it acts a little bit like a stock. You can buy and sell it, you can hold it, you can trade it. So, yeah, they're, they're very useful in that respect. And ETFs have basically been built by by providers, you know, like, like Vanguard, etc., iShares, BlackRock. There's quite a few kicking, kicking about out there. And they're designed to, to pretty much simulate the index or whatever it is that you want to invest in. So for the S&P 500, it's, they, they pretty much buy all the all the assets related to the S&P 500 in the same weighting as the index but package it up in an ETF that you can just you can buy uh, quite easily quite cheaply now my analogy of this is to you know think about walking into a supermarket or even maybe like a, a nice deli counter now in the deli they've got a huge range of breads cheeses meats maybe even some big cakes big bowls of olives a fish counter Let's just say this is the best deli in the world with tons of choices. Now, this deli represents, and all the items in it almost represent the S&P 500 in terms of all the different stocks that are, that are within the index. So the big wheel of cheese over in the cheese section is Microsoft. The other big wheel over there is is Apple. And then in the in the other parts of the the cheese section, let's say there's there's Google and Facebook, and over there in the meats you've got Tesla, which is like a big chunk of ham. Next to it, although slightly smaller, is General Motors and Ford. And when in a deli, I guess it's very rare that you'll you'll order an entire block of cheese or the full joint of meat. 
first of all, it'll be very expensive, pretty heavy to carry around. But you also might want to try a few other cheeses or meats, you know, diversify a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong, you might want to just have one single piece of cheese because you're just really into it, or single stock in this example, which is great, and go ahead. But owning every single one is quite difficult for the average investor, certainly the average retail investor. But this deli, however, has been really, really helpful, and they've created an amazing sample platter of all that they stock, tiny little bite-sized pieces of each, each piece of cheese, each piece of meat, each bit of fish and it's a miniature representation of all that they offer in the exact ratio as in the larger sizes and you can buy this really easily it's pre-packed you don't have to go around picking all the 500 items it's much easier to carry around in your shopping bag and therefore much easier for you to sell and trade with with somebody else this is the same for for other etfs as well so let's say the deli is the s&p the butchers is the commodities ETFs, the sweet shop could be the real estate ETFs. And that's sort of how they work a little bit. So if you're not sure what to pick, ETFs can be a really good option. But I will note, however, that ETFs, like any other investment product, are not risk-free. You could have an ETF made up of US property companies and the US housing market could crash. You could have an ETF based on a certain part of, um, I don't know, some emerging market where there's a, a natural disaster. So, yeah, there's still risks involved with ETFs. So hopefully I've made it fairly clear what an ETF is. Now, the reason for the backstory on ETFs is because when I started investing more seriously, I would say 80% of my portfolio was made up of ETFs and around, well, 20% on, on individual stock picks. Now, I've talked about stock picking on previous podcasts, but the reason that I had 20% was because I did have some market knowledge at that point when I, I guess when I started to invest a little bit more seriously and felt happy to pick some. Now, some people say that, oh, let's have maybe 90% in in indexes or whatever or ETFs and then 10% is my, my play money. For me, I don't think money necessarily is play. You know, I want my money to make a re- make a return for me. So although I might be doing individual stock picks, I won't say I'm playing with it. I'm still trying to find the best possible picks I can get. So if you are keen on picking stocks, then fine. You know, make an agreement with yourself. Let's do, you know, 10% on stocks or 20% or maybe even more, whatever you're comfortable with, but have a have a plan. That would be my recommendation. You know, have an investment plan. You know, it might be 100% ETS. You might just want to, invest 100% of your, your capital into the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100, fine, but just have have a plan. And then what you can do by having a plan is assess that plan maybe in the next 12 months. How did that part of my plan perform versus maybe the other part of my plan? And it just gives you something to be a little bit more tangible and almost, I guess, hold yourself accountable. So I would recommend having a plan and you can define what that plan is. It's not up to me. So when I started, I went around 50% of my portfolio was invested in the S&P 500 ETF from Vanguard. 20% I think I had in the FTSE All World High Dividend ETF, which basically follows around about 2,000 companies across a number of different markets that are range from mid to large companies that pay higher dividends, really. So my plan with this investment was to almost accrue 
a regular income stream through dividends. So another good thing about ETFs is that you will get the dividends from the stocks within the ETFs. So you'll get some passive income from them as well, which is which is great. And you can reinvest them. And then I had 10% in iShares Global Clean Energy ETF. And this, this tracks stocks related to clean energy, such as solar, wind and other renewable resources. And my approach to that one is thinking, right, well, these are going to be long-term investments. Obviously, the the world and the, there's very much a trend towards, quite rightly, you know, sustain, sustainability, sustainable companies. So I just thought we're probably going to look to get even more sustainable in the next five, ten, fifteen years. So as an ETF, I thought that would be quite a quite a good long-term investment. And then for my stock picks, I very much focus on companies that I thought would be successful in the next maybe five to ten, fifteen years. So I bought shares in Tesla purely down to them, I guess, them being at the forefront of the electric vehicle movement. I bought shares in Uber, and I was very much interested in how they're going to just do, continue to develop, I guess, ride sharing, but also autonomous vehicles in that space. Beyond Meat, which basically they develop plant-based foods, which I thought was going to be or continue to be a, a huge trend. And then the other one was Tilray, which are a company based in America that are part of the cannabis industry over there. So my view was that I think that'll continue to to become much bigger. There'll be more legalization, not just in the US, but potentially in Europe too. So that was a little bit, I guess, more of a wild card pick. Now on the whole, that investment approach has actually done really well. The, the ETFs have, have performed very well. Tesla has been a standout performer for me. That's just... <laughs> been been incredible really from a stock pick point of view uber's done done okay but i've had some poor performances beyond me although i had really good a really good run at one point has actually started to to, to fall back and uh, tilray that's been a bit of a roller been a bit of a roller coaster ride i must admit tilray so and now you've probably heard of stocks like GameStop and uh, GameStop, sorry, and AMC. Some of these meme stocks, basically, that the Reddit community have, have got involved with, and almost like been retail investors trying to stand up to, to Wall Street and the powers that be. So some of these companies, there's been almost people out there that have had the opinion that that they're going to fail. So they've, they've essentially short sold the stocks which basically they're betting on the fact that the price is going to go down. Some people have actually tried to like stick it to Wall Street and gathered and got together as a community to help try and drive the stock price up. And as a result of the prices going up, the guys on Wall Street would essentially lose a lot of money. So we've seen some crazy stocks like GameStop in the US go on these massive rallies to just crazy prices. And one day that actually happened to Tilray, so this stock that I own, this cannabis stock that I own. And... Um, I didn't realize this was happening. So I checked my, my trading 212 account and I'm like, oh, wow, Tilray's, um, Tilray's doing all right. Started to go up a little bit. And then the next day went up went up even more. And then it might have, it might have been on the third day I checked and it was just, it went absolutely sky high. Like unbelievably so. You, if you have a look at the chart, you'll see it sort of peak. And... Um, yeah, I think it went from like, I think I bought the stock around about, maybe it was about $8 and um, I had quite a few shares in it, you know, a decent, a decent amount of shares and it went up to like $60 and I just thought, flipping, I got to pay off my mortgage. <laughs> so um, yeah, it just went absolutely wild, absolutely wild. And then I thought, wow, this could just carry on going. This could carry on going to, who knows, like 300 or something ridiculous. 
and and then within like within maybe 24 hours it pretty much plummeted all the way back, all the way back down um so yeah that's why i say it was a bit of a roller coaster and yeah i wish i'd have sold it at 60 dollars whatever it was but yeah maybe i got i got greedy who knows yeah frustrating but anyway, yeah, that's been a bit of a roller coaster. But the share price is sort of back around about $10 now. So maybe missed the opportunity there. So that was Tilray. But in terms of my portfolio now, things have changed a little bit. So as I've, as I've continued to invest quite a lot, I still hold shares in all those companies. I very much see myself as somebody who's acquiring stock rather than buying and selling. For most retail investors or most passive investors, sometimes there is that temptation just to dip in and out of the market. And I guess I've warned a little bit about that. Because it can it can be a little bit you know tricky. You, you might get tempted to sort of buy something when the price is high or sell it when it's low. So that just comes with a, a word of caution, not advice, obviously. But what I, what what you could do potentially if you are tempted just to I guess get a little bit more involved is if you've agreed that you want to hold a certain portion of your portfolio in ETFs and a certain in stock picks. Then let's say them stock picks like like my Tesla example performed really well and actually became a bigger part of my portfolio than than what I initially set it out to be. You can then do maybe some corrections. You can then maybe potentially sell some positions and then put that money into ETFs or, or vice versa. So if you if you want to just sort of maintain your strategy and you don't want to be too overweighted on a particular stock and you want to maybe take some profits and put it in somewhere else, then then you can do that. I've not really done that to be fair. Um, you know, Tesla's been probably had been the main one at the early days that really took off and I guess almost absorbed and took over my portfolio. It became a huge part of it, and it still is really to this day. But I'm still quite. Um, I still think Tesla's you know a, a great company and potentially has has more potential. The price is just very. It is very high. It is really high. Even when you when you look at its its earnings and its profits, it's. It's the most valued car company on the planet, but it doesn't make as many cars as some of the big big car companies and doesn't make as much profit as some of the big car companies as well. So the price of Tesla is very much based on its future potential. So you've just got to be wary of these things. Now, in terms of my current portfolio, now at the time when I started, it was pretty much 100% in stocks. But now it's that's, pretty much, that's changed completely. So now... My portfolio is 63% of it is based in the stock market. And I'll go into what that 63% looks like. 25% is currently invested in crypto, which 25% probably does sound quite high to, to a lot of people, but I can I can explain around that as well. I have 6% invested in contemporary art. And then I've also got 2% invested in startup companies or companies that are pre, pre-IPO. So there's a way doing that and at the moment i'm also holding around about five percent of my investment portfolio in cash i tend to like to have 10 percent in cash but i've recently just done some investments that's brought that number down a little bit to five percent but i've got some money sat in cash that is there for investment purposes the reason why i just hold that in cash is that i basically hold it to then react to certain you know potential market opportunities you know if there was a crash tomorrow or something happened then i've got some cash there available for me to invest but i try and be quite strict with that pot of cash just to either like maintain it or or it's just there ready for for a really good opportunity 
sometimes I do get a little bit caught caught up in investing FOMO. I read about a certain stock or I watch CNBC or a crypto project and I almost think I need to invest immediately now. But then I just try and think, you know, okay, let's just wait. Let's just learn a little bit more about it. Let's sleep on it and then and then invest it. Um, so I, I hold that cash for that reason. So that's my portfolio. 63% stocks, 25% crypto, 6% in art um, and 2% at the moment in pre-IPO or startup companies. Um, the sort of early startup companies is something that I'm looking to to actually probably grow a little bit more over these next few few years. I find that quite exciting. Now, looking at the stock specifically, so that's 63%. Now, initially, I started out investing with 80% of my portfolio in ETFs, 20% in stocks. Now, this is tra- <laughs> this has tra- changed quite significantly. Now, at the moment, I've got 38% of my portfolio in ETFs and 62% in individual stocks. So I've gone pretty much the opposite way completely. And what I've found is over the last few years is that my stock picks have actually outperformed my ETF picks by quite a lot. Am I the next Warren Buffett? Who knows? It remains to be seen. Um, but no, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. But it's just... It, that's just sort of how my portfolio is shaped up and I'm certainly investing for the long term. So there's been a few stock picks that I've made just genuinely just believing that those companies and I have to do my own research, I think for the long term are going to you know, hopefully perform quite well. But I guess my, my single biggest investments still remain the Vanguard S&P 500. I've got Investments in um, the StockX Europe 600, which is almost the large, large European companies. I've still got my large investment in the iShares Clean Energy Index, but also Tesla's become a huge part of my portfolio as well because the share price has just continued to go up. So that sort of changed the weighting a little bit. It's just so happened that my stock picks have actually performed really, really well. If they was to to almost take a bit of a downturn, I guess the the ETF. Uh, proportion of that would would increase so i think potentially maybe in the next few months i might do a little bit of rebalancing and maybe start just to just to accumulate more more positions in the broader index funds just to maybe limit the risk a little bit in my portfolio but from a stock picking point of view i won't go into every single stock that i've currently got an investment in i think i've got around about 38 active investments at the moment but the largest ones are tesla which makes up around about 10 percent of my my portfolio square which is a um, fintech e-commerce ecosystem company the i guess the ceo one of the co-founders of that is jack dorsey who famously set up twitter next i've got amazon which we all know a company called Atai Life Sciences, which are a biotech company that are involved in the development of using psychedelics for treatment-resistant depression. So that's a, a real sort of innovative space, but quite unknown. So quite, a, I guess, quite a risky investment there. I've got my investment in Carnival Cruises, Microsoft, Airbnb, Apple, and a company called NVIDIA. They're probably my, my largest holdings. And on, on the whole... So far, they've been fairly, fairly successful. So there we go. That's my um, that's my portfolio from a stock point of view. Obviously, there's there's other assets that I've not really gone into much detail on. So, for example, crypto, art, some of the um, 
startup companies that I've invested in. But from a from an overall like stock point of view, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with the portfolio. So hopefully you found that useful. And it's just giving you a bit of food for thought when it comes to, to building your own portfolio. And you can see very much how my, I guess my split has changed over the years as I've become a little bit more confident as an investor uh, and started to invest in more individual stocks rather than just the indexes. But what I will say is that the indexes still make up, in terms of single investments, they're very much still my, my biggest inv- biggest investments from a stock point of view. And yeah, develop your own strategy, see how it see how it plays out. And hopefully hopefully your stocks will, will perform well. What I will say at the moment though is that we have been going through a period of all time highs in the stock market. And I'm very much aware of that as well. So my investments have performed quite well over the last few years, but of course the market is a is at an all time high. And yet we've just been through a global pandemic. So I'm very much aware of the fact that although my year-on-year performances have been quite strong, nothing lasts forever. Some stocks do perform very well and can perform very well for a number of years, only to then perform very, very badly for a long time and potentially just completely disappear. So that's where the risk comes when it comes to investing in individual companies. So just be mindful of that. And I guess that's all the points in my wealth journal this week, or it was pretty much one large point which was going through my investment portfolio now hopefully you've enjoyed that snapshot and it'll hopefully help you formulate your own portfolio and investment strategy and really i'd like you to take away i guess four key points from this episode the first one being is to have a strategy you know have a plan and then you can measure yourself against that plan point two would be if you want to pick stocks then agree to limit that to a certain percentage of your portfolio and then assess and evaluate that over time and see how you performed. Check how you performed against the overall market is a good, is a good way to, to check. Point three is keep some money aside in your investment, I guess, account to take advantage of them, op- of, of them opportunities that arise in the market, whether there's a crash or maybe a new stock you hear about. That allows you to act on them lucky moments, if you like. And then finally... Invest in areas that you feel comfortable. Now, I don't invest or don't know much about the industrial sector. I don't know much about healthcare equipment. And frankly, I don't really want to either. It's not an area that interests me. So I tend to focus on companies and sectors that I've got a bit of an interest in. I don't mind learning about them companies and therefore I'm more comfortable when it comes to investing in them. So at this point, if you're still listening, thank you very much. And as always, please reach out to me directly. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Give me some feedback. I am now fully operational on Instagram, so search The Wealth Journal, and I'm sure my name will pop up somewhere if you used to do that. So feel free to send me a message um, and you know, reach out and ask me questions, whatever, that's fine. I, I respond to every message I get, and it's been great getting messages over the last few weeks from people, especially if we haven't spoken to a while. So yeah, I, I encourage you to do that. And also, if you don't, you know, you don't know me, haven't, you know, this, this is the first time you've sort of come across me, then, you know, it'd be great to connect with people that are listening to the podcast that don't actually know me. Um, so don't be shy. And yeah, as always, please rate, leave a review of the podcast. And of course, tell somebody about the podcast as well. Help me compound 
the Wealth Journal. Help me continue to grow the Wealth Journal podcast as long as you're finding it useful. So that's it. Um, Have an amazing rest of the week and I will be back next week with episode seven. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,